Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Dr. Lulu, a.k.a. The Malmatrician, coming at y'all this morning. Beautiful Friday morning. It happens to be September 11. I don't know when you're going to listen to this, but it is September 11. And you know if you live in the, if you live in the U.S. what that signifies. But it's also September, so it's Suicide Awareness Month. So this is Suicide Pages. You did not come here by accident. It was intentional. There's a reason why you stopped by to listen. So I say, get ready, buckle up. We're going to have another fantastic episode. My sister-in-law of life is also happens to be her birthday. So shout out to you, Auntie Kim. God loves you. I want to say I love you more, but you know, I can't. All right, sister, peace out. So if you're listening this is Dr. Lulu. I have a brand new guest today. Her name is Tasha. And you can't see her, but she's got the fly earrings. You know, this is, it takes a bold woman to wear bold earrings. And she's representing boldly today, okay? Repping her colors, you know, got a beautiful smile, just an A awesome chica, even before we get to know each other. She's a licensed clinical social worker. These people are after my souls because. As you know, African-American youth just almost always find their way into the system. So these are people, their aunties and their, you know, friends that are there and their guidance to help them. So Tasha Hunter, welcome to Suicide Pages and thank you for wanting to write on our pages today. What's going on, sister? How are you doing? Hi there. Thank you for the opportunity um, to come and speak about my own experience, personal experience. Uh, with suicide and, and how I got to that point and even more how I how I moved past it and found my own path to healing. That's so powerful. Find your own path to healing. And I think mm-hmm. the talk about suicide really should be about healing, about life, about wanting to stay and about finding reasons to stay. So mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you offline, but I'm working on a book that's going to just be like a awesome when it comes to suicide. So I'm going to steal some of your ideas today. We'll see. (laughs) Personal struggles and how you came to your path to healing. That's amazing. All right. So where do you want to start? I have people who started when their parents met. I've had people who start when they were in kindergarten. I've had people who started with their marriage. So where do you want to start? Sure. Um, Let me start at the beginning and, and I won't make it too long, but uh, when I think about my life uh, and, and we think about language, I have always said that my first language was pain. And, um, and it took a long time for me to become bilingual 
and learn the pain of love and healing. And so being born to a mother that did not, absolutely did not want me, she was 18 years old, had already had one child at, by the age of 14. She did not want me. And even till this day, I am 41 years old. She still <laughs> does not want me. I grew up in a home where I was physically abused, verbally abused, and was told uh that my life did not matter, that she wished that she would have aborted me. And so I grew up with my first language being that of pain. Oh my God, that is profound. In all my days of interviewing people, and I have interviewed a few, this is awesome. This is the first time anyone put it, just painted it that way. I, and I like to take quotes down because I have to write like quotables yes. in the little show notes. That was just my first language was pain. Absolutely. That is an awesome book title, girl. Hint, hint. Absolutely. Oh, my God. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you. And so uh, by the age of eight, I had already been sexually abused by my mother's son. And by the age of 10, two years later, I began praying to God on the way to the bus stop for God to take me to heaven. I began asking God, God, if you love me, please let me be where you are. Let me sit with you. Let me just bring me home to you. Whatever heaven is, I want to be there. I can't handle this. And so I was only 10 years old and I would go to school. And obviously we don't have a country yet or a world in which there is trauma-informed schools. Certainly there weren't when I was a kid. Maybe we do more so now, but uh, my grades were not all that great. Uh, I, there were a lot of PTSD symptoms, disassociating, sleeping in class. Um, I was very frightened child, very um, shy child. Um, and teachers didn't know this, notice, they just thought I was unmotivated. <laughs> But what it was is that I was very fearful. And so um, I, I was afraid to go home because home meant be being beaten, home mm -hmm. meant being choked, home meant being you know, punched in the eye and all kinds of things, um, wearing clothing to cover my scars. Wow. And um, I compare my mother to uh, there's an old movie, I believe it's called Mother Dearest. Yes, I remember that movie. And, and Are then, you serious? Yes, and then the other movie that I compare her to is um, the aunt off of the movie Antoine Fisher. I believe it was the aunt that, that um, where, where Antoine Fisher, the movie with Denzel Washington. I remember. And, um, and so you grow up in a home like that, and so... At the age of 10, I'm praying for God. I'm, I'm telling God, very matter-of-factly, take me, take me now. And after a failed marriage at the age of 21, I was in the Air Force, active duty Air Force. I'm an Air Force veteran. Me too. <laughs> ah, Hercules, Hercules. I love it. I love it. I spent 10 years in the military. Wow. Uh, and in February of 2001, I found that my husband uh, was unfaithful. 
that was a whole saga in itself. And, you know, I talk about that in my, in my memoir, uh, we should have never gotten married. Uh, there was lots of trauma bonding and lots of, you know, both of us not knowing who we were at the time and full on PTSD symptoms, you know, at 2021, which I hate in the military because in the military, there is no time to focus on your trauma because you are supposed to be focused on the mission. On the mission, I know. Right, it's I all know. about the mission. I have some words to say that begin with the letter <laughs> F when it comes to the mission, but I'm just yes. gonna leave that alone. <laughs> oh, that's right. the reason why I separated, baby. I was like, I have yes. to come. And so um, at the age of 21, I said, God, I'm gonna shoot myself. I told God I was not playing. Oh my God. And I just said, I am done. I am done. Uh, I did not come from a family where love was vocalized or shown. I did not have a lot of friends, a lot of supports. <clears throat> and I felt very alone, you know, with the ending of my marriage and just my mind kept, there were these ruminating thoughts of no one loves you, no one cares. Your life doesn't matter. No one's going to miss you. Um, you. You know, you're not supposed to be here. And these thoughts had dominated my mind since the age of 10. So at 21, I shoot myself in the chest. I have a scar still. Oh, my God. In my days of getting in trouble for talking my whole life, it takes a lot for me to be like, oh my goodness. So I aimed at my heart. Hey, Jesus, Mary and Joseph. I saw it on the left side. Yeah, right there. I see it. And so, um, so I aimed and um, oh my, my ex-husband, husband at the time called 911. They come and get me. I'm laying on the floor. I'm bleeding. They take me to surgery. The doctor says, the ER doctor says, I don't know how you made it. The bullet was designed to mushroom. It should have hit all of your vital organs. Um, but what happened instead, according to the ER doctor, is that the bullet got stuck and traveled downward. Jesus. And so it didn't destroy anything inside of me as it was designed to do. And either it was my subconscious or whatever, but I heard God say, what I feel like was God. Well, that's okay, honey. We'll take it as God, yeah. honey. We'll <laughs> take it as God, honey. Done. You are I'm not, not done, done with you. Yes, I was just going to say that he wasn't done with you. you your work hadn't even started, really. Right. My life had not even started. And I was, I was just so convinced prior to that that I had no reason to live because my mother said she wished she wouldn't have had me, that, oh, that she, she wished she would have aborted me. And, you know, when your children your parents' voice is your, that, that's in you. That's, that's mm. your subconscious. Mm. They give you your purpose. They give you all of that. Mm -hmm. And so you rely on their voice. And, mm. and so I believed what she said. I remembered what she said and I believed it. 
You know what? I'm, I'm going to take a, a second here just to, to download a few of the. Oh my God. I don't think, ooh, 100 interviews later, this is my first. I've seen a few, of, or rather, listened, spoken to a, a bunch of people who, all kinds of ways that they've tried to kill themselves, but this one is mm-hmm. unique. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then your book is called what children remember. And so Absolutely. you're right. And, and, and you know, it's a spin-off of my TEDx talk, which was, I talked about the number one reason kids want to kill themselves is betrayal. Forget anything that anybody told you. My wife is the same thing as you. Her mother had her, gave her to her dad. She's 50 years old. We're both 50, well, 51 mm-hmm. now. We're both 51. Mm-hmm. And she took a trip to Jamaica last year to go find her mother. She found her mother. They talked for a few minutes. She came back here. The woman said, yeah, I know, but I don't really want to have anything to do with you. Mm. I'm having the interview for her because of you, on on behalf of her. That is trauma of all the traumas of traumas. Mm -hmm. Because I thought I I felt rejected by my mother, but now it's like, because my mom didn't breastfeed me, but then I found out that because she had mastitis. And so I've learned to, to, and so I made sure I breastfed all my boys for like two years each. I was like, I'm going to overdo this, Mm -hmm. overcorrect. Mm -hmm. And I know it was not her fault. She was also 19. She was, you know, but, but, but she didn't breastfeed me. And I don't think Mm -hmm. she could have helped herself if she had mastitis. You know, but that, that was my own, like, oh, my God, you know, this is my pills to what I'm hearing right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to hug your wife. I understand that, that, that abandonment. I understand that. Absolutely. Um, when we get, when we're done with this, I'll see if she has a second just to come and say hello, because she's the nicest, sweetest person in the world, but she's been traumatized. Like, yeah, I don't know if I can say the word shit, you know, like, yeah. oh, my God. How are you doing, though? I'm sending you virtual hugs. (laughs) Thank you. you. (laughs) Um, Right now, you know, what what came out of that, and it was a long road. I can imagine. And you don't have to Um, rush to to the future. Yeah. Yeah, just just, just keep going. I'm sorry. So you were, I I, I was, I'm stuck at, I aimed at my heart. Like, I'm just there. I like wrote that. I aimed at my heart, and I told God, if I live, I guess I'm supposed to be here, but I'm not really trying to live. What? So it was kind of Russian roulette with my own life and um, kind of me calling God's bluff. Like, hey, I gave you a chance. I gave you. I gave you 11 years to take me on your own and you refused. So here goes. And after that, um, at some point, I've always been kind of a rebel. <laughs> hey, you know what? Own it. Here's why you right. should own it. I, I, Martin Luther right. King and Joe Lewis, John Lewis said, be about good trouble, honey. Absolutely. Oh, so, yeah. Do what you got to do. Rebel all the way, girl. Rebel with a cause. Right. At least at least you have a cause. You and, know? And, and I said to myself, um... And I don't use this word very often, but I say it to myself in regards to my mother. I'm not going to allow this bitch to do this to me again, to bring me to this point again. Um, she, 
she she has done enough and 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 the the pain continues i'm 41 in it you know she continues to try to do things still even to this day um but so i see her is it, is it negative like towards you like negative or absolutely so it's not like she's trying to, it's not because oh my god she's not trying to reconcile with you She's not, never, it's oh. writing letters. It's, I've known you were a bad kid since you were six. I've known, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. Um, At this point, it's, it's petty. It's almost like, yeah. okay, ma'am, what's your, what's your. We've not had a relationship, wife? but she finds me. She finds my number. She, she found, finds my address. She sends letters. Um, and they're always uh, demeaning uh, her attempts to be hurtful, um, kind of like, you know, I, I really compare it to to terrorism. She she oh would give God. any of the terrorists a run for their money, um, and and with you know regarding her tactics, and and I just said again uh, to God and to the universe, I am going to use. I believe that no pain is wasted. I first heard T.D. Jake say that, actually, that. That, that God does not waste any pain. Hmm. And that became, you know, the the phrase, the quote that I kind of lived my life on is, is I then told God, I am going to use every bit of my pain. And I am not going to believe the words of the people, the person who hurt me the most. Hmm. So if she says my life doesn't matter, I know that my life actually matters a whole lot. Hello. You know, if she says I am not loved, I know that I am profoundly loved and worthy of love, worthy of respect, worthy of nurturing, worthy of belonging. Hmm. She does not own that. Hmm. And that rebel part of me said, I'm going to take my power back from this woman mm. her son my brother is not even a factor i mean because i i believe that he may have also been abused uh, yeah i was uh, you know and, i mean i think because yeah. because of the work that we do we know mm -hmm. that we know such behavior right. doesn't come from you know just randomly but here's the thing right. though and i and i and I, maybe we, i don't know how i think he was 16 because it was two years older than you but mm. In as much as we know that the, the trauma, you know, didn't come because he was born weighing six to eight pounds, right? And so mm -hmm. something happened to him. But as much as that is a fact, you don't have to propagate your negativity. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's the thing. Because you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't do that. And a lot right. of the bully victims, those are people that were victims and then became bullies, right? Uh -huh. very common. You don't have to become a bully, though. You don't have to, and it's not an excuse. Exactly. Just because someone hurt you, just because you were abused, does not give you permission to continue the abuse. And so, and so he, he gets no, you know... Yeah, we don't give him no leeway. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I agree he gets no leeway. Yeah. But I understand it from a clinical yeah. perspective. Yes, exactly. So, but how many of us are clinicians? That's the thing. Right. So we don't need to. Exactly. Very few of us are. So we don't need to be trying to say, well, let's figure it out. Let's, let's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Let's, um, let's, let's figure it out, I guess. It's, oh, let's yes. see, you know, what bad things happen to him. No. Mm -hmm. 
Doesn't matter. Business, yes. Right. Yeah. D- does not matter. And it's not my business anyway. Exactly. So, <laughs> I, I'm only speaking about my mm. story. Hello. And um, it wasn't until maybe 10 years later that I went to therapy from that suicide attempt. <gasps> Because I was in the military, so I but, didn't want. But, but the military, well, I mean, they do encourage you to get help, no? They, they. So I was hospitalized. For, well, obviously, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was hospitalized for three days. During that time, a psychologist met with me, a white man, and he said to me, he said, "People get uh, depressed." He said, "I don't believe you're I'm suicidal." Done. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. He said, "I don't believe you're suicidal." Mm. He said, people go through depression at least three times within their life. You're okay. Get back to work. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And, um, and so that was it. I thought mine was bad. They put, at least they put me on an antidepressant and sent me on my merry way. I, thought I didn't get bad. any antidepressant. Oh, my I got no follow-up care. As a matter of fact, I PCS to another base. I changed jobs, cross-trained into another career field. And and that, strangely enough, was good for me because, you know, when you PCS in the military, you get to kind of (laughs) uh, reinvent yourself in a way. You're around new people, new environments. Uh, a fresh start, like a fresh start. Yeah, it's a fresh start. Back then, we didn't have electronic health records. Mm. So I took the parts of my record out that I wanted <laughs> out of my life. Oh, you is smart. You is precious. You <laughs> is... <laughs> I love, love, love that. And so I, I kept that as, as, as my secret. There was no call, no... No accountability from the mental health department at one base to the mental health department at the other base. Um, Totally slipped through the crack. And, and there were other, there were other attempts, but they were not serious attempts. It was taking pills, that kind of thing. And, uh, and then I continued on, but it was 10 years later when I went to therapy and the therapist said, I asked her, I said, are, are, am I crazy? Like, is something wrong with me? And she said, you're not crazy. You're traumatized. Traumatized. Thank you. That was exactly what my TEDx talk was. I said, when a child, you, you took it out of it. I said, when a child is being raped and molested and cyber bullied and whatnot, and they're having the behaviors from that, you don't call them mentally ill. You call them traumatized because that's what they are. Because last week, last month, last year, they were not like that. Mm-hmm. So what happened? Mm-hmm. Wow! Thank you for this. And uh, through through therapy, uh, she helped me to understand the signs and symptoms of PTSD and how, mm-hmm. you know, she said it's kind of like you're wearing glasses and and everything is filtered through the lens of trauma. Mm-hmm. So this is why That's you awesome. have toxic relationship habits. This is why you don't trust people. This is why you're having nightmares and night sweats. This is why you're fearful everywhere you go. You are not crazy. You are Mm. traumatized. Mm. 
And so that meant everything she validated. Yes, exactly. I like yeah. that. And that's one of the things I put, I, I say in my second book, I use the, the phrase valley freaking dation. That's what the teenagers need. That's what the mm-hmm. kids need. And because I'm a pediatrician, obviously, right. but whoever val, right. val, versus validation versus I can't believe you say that. What do you mean you're saying that? What do you mean you're hurting? You have all these shoes. You have all these bags. You, you know, mm-hmm. you live in a house by the ocean. Really? Right. <laughs> you know, so validation. They need validation. You know, and, and then it was during that time, that kind of paved the way to me becoming a therapist because she said, uh, you have poor boundaries. I had very poor boundaries um, with people. Mm. And I'd, I'd let people dump on me. I'd let people use me. And, and she said, people come to you and they just, they drain you dry because of their own issues. And she said, you're doing my, my job, but you're doing it for free. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> you're trying to help everybody else when you're literally drowning and nobody oh. is seeing it. Somebody said it one time that, you know, I, black women, they were, they were referring to black women that we heat, what is it? We heat ourselves up. Uh, we, 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 cool ourselves up to, to heat up everybody, something. We use mm-hmm. our heat, you know, to warm up everybody. And then warm up we, everybody yeah. else. Yeah, right. something like that. And, and we're freezing and they don't even stop to See notice. It. Hello. And so that was me. And um, a few years after that is when I decided to get my degree as a licensed clinical social worker and to try to help other kids and validate other kids and be that for them. So I'm using my pain for purpose. For purpose. I knew you were going to say for, for purpose, for promise and purpose. I love it. Absolutely. I love, I love it. Absolutely. Congratulations. Amazing. Amazing. What Thank a you. story. I know, I know you basically glazed over it. I'm like, I know I did. because I, I mean, did. 41 years worth of uh-huh. trauma. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Yeah. So tell us about this book. Oh my God. So my memoir, What Children Remember, hmm. I wanted to write my story in a way that was really honest. Um, while I am, I'm a Christian, I guess. I mean, I believe in God. When I would go to church growing up and as an adult, I didn't hear truth tellers. I didn't hear people tell the truth. Can you say that and again? For the, can you please say that again? I for could never, I, it's been my own experience. I did not hear people tell the truth. I'm saying to you, can you please say that again for those at the back yes. pews in the yes. church? Because this is what I talk about, especially in the African-American community. I don't know about other people of color, maybe the same, mm-hmm. but African-Americans mm-hmm. specifically, we are all about denial, baby. And the only mm-hmm. denial that I know, the Nile River is in Africa, is the Nile mm-hmm. River. Otherwise, we do not have any business. That's it. They toss the Bible at you. They tell you, oh, you need to, you need more Jesus. Right. Everybody says you don't need Jesus, but you also need right. reality. And if anybody right. was realistic, the, the ultimate realistic person in, in this world was Jesus. Right. He said to them, he said, I'm going to take a minute to write on the ground. While whichever one of you ain't committed sin to try to start, strike the first stone on this chica here. But I'm going to write on the ground. And when he's, when he's done, he said, oh, ma'am, nobody, stop, nobody, stop, nobody cast the first stone at you. She's like, no. She said, well, then I'm not going to condemn you either. That's it. That's but it. We, we That's live it. in this crazy world of, oh my God. And, and 
probably almost every other episode of my podcast, I talk about the fact that people look at Jesus, the God, and forget mm-hmm. Jesus, the man. Right. The one and, that was, right. go and, ahead. Right. And not, not only that, Glennon Doyle, she's an author. Uh, she's one of the only white women that I really, really trust. Um, but she, <laughs> Yeah, well, check out her name. Is not, her name ain't Karen. Hello. Right. Okay. Uh, and so, so, so Glennon Doyle, she has this talk on YouTube and she says, you know, she talks about the, the story of, you know, the woman that, that the, you know, they were going to stone, just like you just yeah. talked about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she said, and in that story, when people tell it, they see themselves as Jesus. So that they're what? wanting to tell you about your sin. <laughs> she said, but when I read that story, I'm the woman at the well. I'm the woman that's being stoned. I'm the person that needs help and salvation. And I am that woman. I am the woman at the well. I'm the woman being stoned. I'm the one that is waiting to be saved. Exactly. Every day. Exactly. Every day. I'm never Jesus in my story. Why are you going to be Jesus? Who, who right. gave you, who gave you the power? <laughs> <laughs> and so I wrote my memoir, What Children Remembers, and, and I talk about my faith, but I talk about my trauma and exactly what I went through as a child. Mm-hmm. From beginning to end, the real symptoms of PTSD and the complicity of family members cool. and people in my neighborhood who knew about the abuse mm. and did nothing. But you see now, that's where they say, the African proverb says, it takes a village to raise a child. And I put a twist to that. It also takes a village to save a child. Oh, and so, absolutely. hello, while we're there busy mining business about everything, who takes care of the child? Who is, is going to talk right. rep for the child? And so when I say, are you a parent? And what mm-hmm. is your role in your child's suicide? I mean it. Mm-hmm. Right. What is your role? Because right. and parent here means caregiver, auntie, uncle, cousin, neighbors. Mm-hmm. We are all put there to help raise these kids right. and save them. Because yep. a child can't change their situation, but you can as an adult. You can. And so I wanted to tell, you know, the truth about my story where I grew up in a culture where it's, you know, what goes on in this house stays in this house. Mm. But the only people that really say that are people that are doing illegal and immoral activity. Hello. Because think if you're about busy. Think about, right. think about Las Vegas. Nobody says what's, <laughs> what happens in Vegas because we're all there being Christians and being good people. And I, and I say the word Christians very, very yeah. loosely because yeah. we had a gentleman who took a Bible to do a photo op the other day. And I don't know what that was. So when mm-hmm. I say Christian, I just use that because I'm a Christian. But I that's mean, it. You know, we ain't good people. Good things ain't that's happening. It. You're not going to Las Vegas to go see the Virgin Mother Mary and her whatever. That's no. it. That's okay. it. Because you don't need to keep that as a secret. And mm-hmm. so I want it for the people who read my book to read it and say, okay, she's telling the truth. I didn't want to lace it with 50 million scriptures and all of this. I want it to be really honest about what trauma looked like. Um, and there's even a quote in my book where, where I talk about you know, as children, we blame ourselves for mm-hmm. what we're going through. And when we're adults, we blame others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see it through That's a different awesome. lens. And wow. so children not only remember the words that are spoken and the actions that are done against them, they remember the people who were there. Mm-hmm. They remember the people who were not there. They remember the people who were silent. Who were isn't that what, but isn't that what Martin Luther King said? He said, in the end... Mm-hmm. You remember the silence of your friends, right. not the words of your enemies. 
Mm-hmm. Silence of the friends. Mm-hmm. I love that. Go ahead. Um, several of my family members said, you know, well, we always knew your, your mama was crazy. We always knew something was wrong. We knew you were being abused, but 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 they were afraid to step in or they well, didn't. Well, thank think- you very much, but no thanks. Right. And so, you know, and so it's important that people understand that children remember. Mm-hmm. We remember the ones that didn't visit, that didn't call, that weren't there, that that took no involvement in our lives. We remember. You know, when you hear about suicide rates in African American kids being twice as likely as their as much as their white the white counterparts, people mm-hmm. like you, it's stories mm-hmm. like yours that are, that they're talking about in mm-hmm. that statistic. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much. I can't believe um, we're, all, we're, we're almost done. Oh, girl, okay, before we end it, first of all, I want people to know where they can find you, please, where they can find your book, where they can find yes. you. And then I always ask people to, to tell us maybe if, if their favorite book or their favorite podcast, Wink Wink, mm-hmm. or, you know, just some, some parting words. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know, I know there's, more, there's a much, much mm-hmm. more, but let us know, first of all, how you did it, right? That's mm-hmm. right. And then some parting words, you can put that in there and then where we can find you. Sure. So uh, if anybody wants to to follow me, I have a Facebook page, Ascension Growth Center on Facebook or on Instagram where I talk about a lot of things on my Instagram page, Ascension Growth Center on IG. Um, I am always speaking about pain and trauma and in honor of uh, suicide awareness, I'll be speaking about that probably today. <laughs> um, well, maybe, you can give, maybe you can give our podcast a shout out. I just finished. Yes, you know, the, absolutely. We'll is, be shouting this out. Awesome. If, if there's ever been the, the month of the year where it's relevant, I mean, it's, absolutely. It's, yeah, you know, it really shouldn't be just a one month thing. It should really be all year round. But hey, we'll take absolutely. what we got. We'll take we'll take a month for now. <laughs> Your yeah. podcast will definitely be shared. It's important. It's vital, especially that people of color, you know, that we normalize what we go through and where it can take us. And children need to know that they're not alone. They're not crazy Mm. for how they feel. And that there's people like you and I that are advocating, that are speaking out, you know, for them. For them, for them, more so for them. That's it. I mean, for them, because, no, you know, I, I, I could talk about suicide all day, but the statistics are white male. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. So I talk about kids' suicide because mm-hmm. to me, I feel like not only was my own child suicidal, I have been suicidal. Mm-hmm. Lots of kids are killing themselves left, right, and center, and more so now with the COVID. Right. So if there's ever been a time for someone to, to please amplify voices of children, it's now. It's absolutely now. And so... Um, I'm definitely going to be sharing your podcast with every client of mine, every kiddo that comes in my practice, they're going to know that there's this podcast that is for them that's speaking to their issues and they can hear inspiring stories. It's a, it's, and it's, and so, the beauty of it is the, the word you said, inspiring stories, because these are the people that were like you, that, absolutely. that, that stayed, that stayed. That's it. Didn't, didn't that's go. it. So they, that's they're, it. they're on the podcast because they stayed. That's it. That's it. And so they're going to know about your books and everything. Uh, For anybody that is looking, wanting a copy of What Children Remember, it's available on Amazon and anywhere that ebooks are sold. Okay. Okay. All right. Amazon. 
and um, anything else. So I don't well, know just, if I'm just forgetting. Just parting words, just, you know, some words of encouragement, because I know things are hard, I mean, mm-hmm. but no, not Absolutely. coming from Dr. Lulu, but coming from you, you know, who is just like, you're just like yeah, everybody's favorite auntie or whatever. Absolutely. Like I would say to any person um, who is out there and is wondering, you know, is my life worth something? Am I, do I deserve love? Maybe you grew up in a home where you were not loved. Mm. And I want to hear, I want you to know today that you are absolutely profoundly loved. Mm. Your life is worthy. You do have purpose. Mm. And to go after that Mm -hmm. with everything that you have, someone needs what you have inside of you. Just like I'm telling my story, your story matters. Somebody's going to be touched by what you're going through. And you're going to be a, a TEDx speaker. I declare right. that and, and claim living. that for you, sis. I want that. I yes, want that. Claim it for you. <laughs> that, I, have, I have not heard. That is an amazing spin. You know, because I'm mm-hmm. a TEDx speaking coach, I'm claiming that too. Now, mm-hmm. I am telling you right now, mm-hmm. what children remember is the ultimate title of a TEDx talk. Mm-hmm. It is the ultimate title of a TEDx talk. Congratulations on your book. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so This has been an honor. I wrote in my journal earlier this year. I said, I want to be on somebody's podcast. Didn't even think it was possible. <laughs> oh, my God. You're giving oh. me goosebumps. I don't think I've heard anybody say that about my podcast before because I said the same right. thing in, in December. I said, wow. I, I went to Nigeria. I said, I told the lady who was making my blouse, I said, make that blouse real good because I'm going to wear it for my TEDx talk. She's like, what's that? I said, oh, it's just this talk thing that's really, really big. It's global, by the way. She was like, oh, okay, well, all right, I'll make it good. Don't you know, I only applied for the TEDx talk in March. Wow. So you can speak stuff into existence. Mm-hmm. And therefore, therefore, putting a spin to that, be mm-hmm. careful the words you say, the words mm-hmm. you use to describe yourself. I'm not good. I'm not perfect. I'm terrible. I'm not, you know, you know me, I'm a mess. Don't say things like that because your amygdala, the part of your brain that holds on to those memories and emotions mm-hmm. is just so happy to just hold it and say, remember you said you are bad. Yes, you are bad. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. You're a blessing. You're fearfully and wonderfully made and you should be here. Absolutely. As a piece of the puzzle. Wow, Tasha. He has been real, girl. Thank you so much. I look forward to talking to you again. Just so you know, you're blessed. Your, your message was amazing. I like to spell that A-H-M-A-Y-Z-E-E-N. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming Thank and you. sharing with us today on Suicide Pages and writing just a tiny little bit of the amazing life that you are living and just celebrating your journey. Mm-hmm. So ladies and gentlemen, this is Dr. Lulu, a.k.a. The Momatrician. I don't know what to say, you know. She came here, she laid it bare. You are loved. You are profoundly, she said, loved and wanted. And your life matters. Your life matters. You're here for a purpose. You, 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 your, your promise is not even about to be fulfilled yet. Like it's still bigger. And that's what I said to her when she aimed for her heart. God was like, no, baby, not yet. That's why I've been trying to tell you. Not yet, you know? And so sometimes God will answer you, not yet. So be blessed today. Stay positive. Maybe the life you will save is your own life. So I beg you, do something to help somebody feel better today, okay? And if you hear this after September 26th, 2020, then I'll see you next year in next year's Stop Suicide Now Summit 
by Dr. Lulu, a.k.a. The Momatrician. Deuces. Bye. Hey, are you stuck in indecision? Is there something you've been wanting to do but are having a hard time deciding how to go about it? Maybe you wanted to write a book, you're having issues with your relationship, your kids, money. Maybe you want to quit your job, but you don't know how to go about it. Hmm. You might need a life coach. Believe it or not, I just launched my life coaching business this year. And I'm open to accept clients and we're having free consults. So go to calendly.com forward slash Dr. Lulu. That's calendly.com forward slash Dr. Lulu and grab yourself a free 45 minute session and I'll see you on the inside.